Welcome to the Turkey Hunting USA podcast, covering anything and everything wild turkey with your co-hosts, Billy Barnett and Matthew Myers. The Turkey Hunting USA podcast is presented by Van Meter and Sun Lures, makers of high quality deer and predator lures and trapping baits since 2007. Your one-stop shop for 100% pure, fresh urines and ingredients, quality over quantity. Like them on Facebook at Van Meter and Sun Lures. And now for this week's show. Episode 19 of the Turkey Hunting USA podcast. I am your co-host, Matthew Myers, and I'm joined by fellow co-host, Billy Barnett. Billy, we're finally slowing down a little bit where we can go back and talk about part of our season and, and get caught up on things. Yeah, I'm crying the blues over here now. It's uh, it, the the time that we uh, dreaded the most is here, I'm afraid, or it is for me anyway. I guess you've got one more trip planned, but um, I, I believe I'm pretty much finished for the year. It's amazing how fast the few months flies by. It takes forever to get here, and then it flies by once it does get here. It, it always It always comes across that way, and this was my busiest spring yet as I've tacked on a little bit more since last year. I mean, it didn't drag on whatsoever. The only time it dragged on was when you weren't hunting. Yep. And when yeah. you were, it just flies by. To me, thinking back to my first hunt in March um, in Florida, that seems like forever ago. But all the time in between, <laughs> it just seems like a blur to me. I mean, it's like yep. I, I don't know, it just it almost rushed, I guess. I, you know, maybe partly my fault. Maybe I rushed through it, and it makes it go faster. I don't know. I don't know how to slow it down, really. So it's hard. Yeah, it's it's hard to slow it down. You know, once you once you get out and get to tack on it and things like that, and then you don't want to stop, but you know you, you have to, whether it's during the season or most definitely once it's over. But yeah, what we're going to do here on this show is just be the two of us, and we're going to go back to around the time frame of when we got really busy with our traveling and we quit putting out updates on our podcast about what we've been doing and how things had gone. And quite frankly, we went a couple of weeks and didn't have a podcast. So get people caught back up on that. And uh, that can lead us into a, a fresh week next week with a, a new guest. But before we get too far with ourselves and what we've done, um, you want to talk about the contest that we had out on social media for the turkey call? Yeah, uh, this is something you and I came up with and kind of thought this would be a good idea to, uh, you know, get you, we've got our calls and stuff going and um, uh, just be a good way to give away a few of these, let some people try them, see how they like them. And uh, pretty much all we asked you to do was just share this uh, podcast post either on social or on uh, Facebook or Instagram, <clears throat> just share the original post. And also going forward, uh, if you share it, just also comment below and just let us know you shared it. We're going to put all those names in a uh, drawing every week, and then we'll announce the winner on the next week's show. And uh, also we will, message uh, whoever the winner is you know through social media so you'll get a message directly from us you just tell us which call you want um you know we've got the four cuts right now <clears throat> hopefully this summer we're going to add some more to that so um as we add them you know if you win one you can pick one of the newer calls so 
whatever cut you want, just you'd message us back and we'll ship it to you. Throw some decals in there for you too. And um, yeah, that's all you got to do is share it and uh, comment and you're in the drawing. So, and you can, you know, just put in every week if you want to and just keep going. Yeah. And our, uh, our winner for the inaugural Turkey call giveaway is, and help me here. I'm sorry if uh, I pronounced this incorrectly from Canada, Jesse blaze. So that's kind of fitting to have had Steve on and, uh, Canada was wrong, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so congrats to Jesse and everybody else. Thank you that took the time to share the posts and help out. And like you said, we'll have some more of those. And Jesse will be reaching out to him on social media and touching base with him there. So congratulations. Yep. And if you want to purchase a call, you know, any calls and try them out. We've talked about this before, but if you subscribe to the Turkey Hunting USA uh, website, you can get a 15% off coupon right off the bat. Use that. Check out a couple calls. Try them out. See how you like them. You got shirts, hats, all that stuff on there. So uh, just because turkey season's winding down doesn't mean, you know, we shut our shop down. So uh, get on there and check out the stuff. And like I said, we're going to have some new stuff coming up. So uh, subscribe there and we'll keep you updated on all that. Yes, sir. Well, Billy, as far as our season goes, somewhat where we last touched base, I believe we got ourselves all the way to the point when you took to the road and began your journey out through the central part of the country and out through the west and back this way, and you were headed to Texas. Yep, that's right. Um, Marty, my friend Marty and myself, we uh, headed to Texas. He needed a Rio to finish his Grand Slam, and, uh, you know, I'd already got my Osceola with a uh, pistol this year, so I was going there to try to get one with a uh, pistol as well, get my Rio, and uh, had a really good trip, had a good place. You know, you you uh, put us on a place there to hunt, and uh, plenty of birds there. I mean, we had plenty of opportunity. If I'd have had a shotgun, we'd have both shot birds first day and probably moved on, but... Uh, that pistol kind of, I guess the original game plan was he he brought his shotgun and we sat together and uh, I was going to shoot first with the pistol. And then if those two came in, he was going to back me up. Or if the if I missed or something with the pistol, he was going to back me up too. And we weren't there probably two, 30 minutes. First setup we made, had one goblin and uh, here he came and, I honestly, I thought it was going to happen. I mean, I thought, man, this is too easy. And uh, it was. <laughs> he came into about 30 yards and uh, just kind of stood there and looked at the decoy. And I don't know if he, you know, had hunting pressure from earlier because, you know, we were going pretty late. And, you know, it was. I think there was about a week left of Texas season. So it was towards the end of the season for them. And uh, he he stopped out there at 30 yards. and. He would not budge, and he he would kind of do a step towards us and a step back. And, you know, by the time I I told Marty, I was like, man, if you can get him, shoot him. And by that time, he'd already got behind some grass and stuff and kind of made his way away from us, didn't have a shot. And uh, long story short, the Marty did get one. Uh, We kind of split up one, one afternoon, 
and uh, he went out on his own. I wasn't holding him back anymore with the pistol. And uh, so he ended up getting his bird. And then the the very last morning we hunted there, um, there was some birds we found where they were roosted at. And they pretty much did the same thing two days in a row. And I got in a bush and kind of hid out right under the roost and going to try to catch them. There's a little strut zone there they were going through. And I had my opportunity. He uh, he pitched down. There was probably two or three jakes in there and about four hens and two gobblers, actually. And they pitched down, and the hens all walked by me 10 yards or less. I, I was in a bush. I had a perfect setup, had a perfect rest, and uh, couldn't have asked for anything better. And I knew that he was going to come through there. Well, the first long beard came by. And he was moving pretty fast, and I couldn't really get on him. But the the last one, he um, he was strutting, and that's actually what I was looking for. I was hoping one would be strutting and get a shot like that. And um, he was coming from my left, coming to my right, coming right down this little logging road. And uh, he ended up, I, I, he was like 10 steps from me. And he came in, and, man, I, I don't know, I just... Pulled the trigger and he he flew off. So it's uh, definitely going to be a challenge to you know with that pistol. Uh, after that, it, we we had to hit the road and we were going on to New Mexico. But I said I, I told him I said, Marty, I said, man, I don't know how I missed. <laughs> Which that's what you always say when you miss one. But uh, I, I said, let me set up a can out here. I just want to make sure this gun's still on. And set up a Pepsi can and dead centered it three times in a row. I mean, yeah, and I actually set up at that same setup, same rest, you know, in that bush, and it, it was just my own fault. I just, I guess, under the under the pressure, I guess, of it, maybe got a little rushed because he. I, I knew once all those other birds went to my right, I knew that if he got past me, it was over. So I, I think I could have rushed a little bit, you know, having that in my mind, maybe so. That's easy to happen. Yeah, it's it's different when you're shooting at paper and shooting at a uh, a gobbler, you know, sitting there strutting and drumming, and you're it's a different atmosphere for sure. So, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but we took off from there, and then we headed to uh, New Mexico, and uh, we hunted there for. Well, Marty ended up getting his bird the second day, and we were both packing shotguns that day. Or that trip, or in that state, and couldn't use a pistol. And he uh, he got his bird, and he actually he was going to fly back home. I took him to the airport, and uh, he flew home. So I just stayed out there by myself, and I was actually just going to stay another day or two and head on to Colorado. And uh, the uh, hang on a second. Okay, I, I thought my wife was coming in, knocking on the door, getting ready, knocking on the door. But uh, anyway, I stayed there for a few more days, uh, five days, actually. And, man, those birds out there, they were tough. I mean, um, I had several birds that I went after that, man, you call to them, they take off the other way. And, I mean, they give you a courtesy gobble at two or 300 yards, and the next one they'd be at 500. And, I mean, just real light, soft calling. I mean, it wasn't nothing. I wasn't out there with a boat paddle just wearing them out, you know. And, uh so it made it pretty tough, and uh, I kind of got hung up on a bird and stayed with him for a while. Um, man, it, it was—I had a blast. I enjoyed every minute of it. 
and that's it's pretty fun when you get into challenging birds like that but it is kind of frustrating too it's uh you know you feel like you're doing everything right and nothing nothing's happening for you but uh walked a lot of miles there up and down those mountains and uh, you know found a really cool elk shed i mean that's kind of the highlight of that that trip i guess it uh, made it feel a little better i guess but well it can uh it can begin to wear on you, especially after you've been out and kind of get that, that mentality of, man, just it's just not working out. And to keep that drive in you like you did and, and you know, continue to go out and try to get after the one bird that you were chasing or try to come across some other ones, you know, that's that's part of it, just having that drive and that um, competitive spirit to not give up and continue getting after it. Yeah, yeah. Run into another guy there. He killed one right off the limb. I mean, he he. I actually caught up with him later that afternoon. He was from uh, Florida. Him and a buddy of his, and um, he had that bird roosted. And pretty much, he got up at like three thirty in the morning and was up on the mountain sitting there waiting on, waiting on to break daylight. And he said he was on a little bench there and did a little uh, soft calling and scratching in the leaves and that dude dropped right down on him and he ended up getting that one but um had plenty of birds to chase you know it wasn't a shortage at all just uh they just acted like they were really pressured and you know had plenty of hens too i didn't hear much gobbling at all in the afternoon maybe one or two days i heard a couple gobble you know just every now and then but uh, but i stayed there for about five days and then I, I figured I'd better move on. So I I went to uh, Colorado next, and that was a pretty tough one. Um, never did. I never heard a bird that I could even go after. Um, the area that I went to, man, it was so dry there. Uh, I'd been there the year before, and, the, and all the creeks, you know, they were dust. I mean, this year. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. I tried going higher on the mountain. Uh, up around the snow and stuff, snow line, but uh, I don't know. I just, I, I never had any luck at all. And I kind of got aggravated and thought, well, I'm going to move on. You know, I had the pistol with me. And my intentions were to go to Wyoming and try to get my Merriams with the pistol there. And uh, so I, I hunted Colorado a couple days and then I headed on up to Wyoming. And the first afternoon that I pulled in at Wyoming, it was it was probably about three o'clock. And the first spot I pulled into, I kind of came down this little road and it, it was all public land there where I was at. I pulled in and looked up into like there's different there's little draws that come down into this bottom where I was at. And I looked to my left and about 200 yards away, I seen a gobbler standing there under a tree in the shade by itself just hanging out and i mean this is the first place i pulled into i, I couldn't believe it so but that's nice to see after what you uh had to go for you in colorado and new mexico oh that was a sight for sore eyes now i'm telling you <laughs> so, so the thing i i'd actually already drove past him a little bit and it was out in the wide open where i was kind of driving to so i had to turn around and drive back the same way i came to get out of sight, you know, so I could get out of my truck. And when I drove by, he gobbled at me. I mean, I, I thought, what in the world? <laughs> this has got to be a good sign here. So 
I went on around the corner, got my stuff. I, you know, took off and that, that drain went right up the hill there. And it was kind of thick in the, in between the top and the bottom where he was at. So I got up there and I found a little opening and got a really nice setup, hit my call and he cut me off. I mean, I, I thought, oh man, this might, you know, this was probably four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon. So I thought, man, this is, this is it right here. I'm going to have, have a chance. And he gobbled probably, I don't know, you could tell he just got really fired up and just going crazy. Well, I just, I, I quit calling altogether and it got quiet. And then the next time he gobbled, he'd cut it in half and I knew he was coming. And he was kind of coming to my right down below towards the drain. I was on the side of the hill and I could hear him spitting and drumming. And I pretty much with that pistol, I just found me a log and I got behind it. And I had a, I just took a hand decoy and put it out about, you know, 10 feet in front of me. And I was sitting on that log just with that pistol. And I was looking straight ahead right at that decoy. And I would just watch out of the corner of my eye watching for him to come up that hill. Never did see him. And I mean, he was, he, I could hear him drumming really good. Well, then it kind of got quiet. And, you know, I waited a few more minutes and couldn't hear him drumming anymore. And I thought, man, he's turned around and walked off or something. So I hit him with the call again. He hammered down. Next thing I knew, he was gobbling good again. And he was going up above me. And it's like an open field above me. And I kind of looked up that way. And I could see him coming across the top of that ridge. And he was coming right you know, he was just standing up there strutting around. And uh, I think he finally got to where he could see that decoy. I mean, he just dropped his wings and here he came. And I mean, I, I knew he was coming then. And I held that gun and I I, I probably should have, well, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I probably should have oh, yeah. had my gun aimed more to the left where he was coming from. But, you know, he was ten, he would have been 10 feet in front of me, so... I didn't really want to move around too much. So I kept I kept on that decoy and I could see him out of my you know, out of the side of my vision there. I could see him coming down the hill and he got to about he was probably ten yards from me or maybe twelve, but he was standing to the left a little bit and he would not come any closer and he would never he never did turn all the way around while he was strutting. He always had his fan I mean, there was one time he almost turned all the way around. I was going to try to move and get on him. And, um, man, he just he wouldn't turn all the way. And eventually he just kind of lost interest. And um, he went back up the hill a little bit, and he cut right in behind me. I could hear him walking in the leaves, drumming right behind me. He, he couldn't have been 15 yards from me probably. That dude walked across the little ditch, went up the hill, went on the other side and started gobbling again. So I just, I left the decoy and everything. I grabbed my pistol and uh, I think I took my, I didn't even take my vest. I just took my pistol and my mouth call and took off after him. Got up on the next little rise. It, it was kind of like a uh, up and down terrain, you know, and got up there and got in a pine tree and set up and called. That dude came running again. This time I thought he would come straight in front of me out in a little opening and he skirted me again and came to my left, probably 15 yards, 20 yards. And <laughs> he came all the way uh-huh. behind me again, got up on another little knoll right behind me, and uh, kind of went off to the other side of it. So I spun around, snuck up to the next tree, called again. He came over to the edge, but he was probably about 25 yards, and he was kind of the left in some brush. 
and I never could uh, get a clear shot. And then he finally walked back over that next hill and went through their goblin. And uh, long story short, I kind of just left him alone. I thought, you know, I'll just find out where he's roosting at. I'll make, get me a good set up in the morning. And um, he roosted right off the end of that point right there. Next morning, I got up, got in there, had a really good setup. I found me a big tree that fell down, uh, thought it was going to happen, and it got daylight, man. And there was, I didn't realize it, but there was a bunch of hens down in that creek bottom on the opposite side of him from me. And I could hear them yelping, and I thought, golly, there's, maybe he'll pitch down right here real quick and hang out with me for a minute, but those hens came all the way across that bottom. I could hear them calling and coming to him and it was all wide open. So he could see them walking around and he pretty much just waited till they got below him. He dropped out of the tree. They took off through there and man, they were gone. They're, never seen them again. They, I could hear them gobbling and they went until they got on private and kept going. So hmm. I, I, I kind of stayed behind them thinking, hoping they would turn back around or hold up, but they just kept going through the country and, yeah, pretty much out of earshot. I couldn't hear him no more. So, so that Man, was. That's, uh, gosh, that's yeah. frustrating. You have all those opportunities, and you know, if you got a, if you got your shotgun, then obviously you can still miss them too. But it makes you feel a little better about making maneuvers, and you know, having to, having to get your gun up and get the crosshairs on them to squeeze off on them. But a little bit yeah. different story with the pistol. It, the hardest part with that pistol is finding your setup. Um, you know, I always tried to find a log or something like that to get into. Because, I mean, you've, you're, I'm, I'm trying to get him to about 10 to 15 feet from me or steps from me. And uh, just to feel like I got a really good, confident shot, you know. And uh, it, it's it's totally different. I'll tell you what, I described it like this. It's like you're going deer hunting and you're using a rifle you know, say you're a gun hunting. Well, then when you switch and go to bow, that's that's kind of what I felt like when I was doing this with the pistol. You know, it's totally different setups. You think about different things, but right. But um, I kind of got frustrated because you know I'd been on a pretty good little dry spell there <laughs> for not having any luck. Uh, you know, seven or eight days there and didn't shoot a bird, and you know seeing all these opportunities and stuff kind of started wearing on me and uh, i tell you what i just said I, i've got one i already knew that i wasn't going to get one in texas the rio so i said well there's i'm not going to be able to do this in one year anyway so i said I, i'm going to put the pistol up i'm going to get my 20 gauge out just going to go have fun and enjoy it <laughs> and that's what i did the next day and got on a bird and you know that's chased him off through the country and ended up getting getting him and uh, kind of took the monkey off my back, I guess you could say. <laughs> so. And, yeah, and suddenly after that, everything in the world is good again. Yeah, yeah, it took a it took a lot of pressure off of me once I put that gun or the pistol back up, so sure did. Well, just that feeling, too, knowing when you got your shotgun that you can kind of get down and get dirty and get your, you know, if you got to crawl, do whatever you got to do based on where that turkey is, whether he's drumming or gobbling. And you just feel so much better about when it comes time to squeezing that trigger, having that shotgun in your hands than, than the pistol. I, I, I could imagine that wearing on me just knowing, man, I'd love to go after that turkey over there. But when I get there, so many things have to just be perfect. So, yeah. you know, kudos to the ones that can do it with a pistol or a bow and arrow and 
run and gun style. But I tell you what, whenever when I'm on the road, I need that. And for me, for for me, most definitely, it's not a sure shot. Heck, I I miss my fair share of them, so it's not a guaranteed thing, no matter what. But definitely makes you feel better, especially mentally. It, it was, man, it was really wearing on me. I mean, you know, especially when your buddy's shooting them with a shotgun, right? You know, left and right, and you're sitting over there with a little pea shooter. I mean, it's yeah. just a. Uh, it, it kind of got to me a little, you know. I I knew it was going to be tough, but and once I don't know, man. Once I missed that one in Texas, I mean, it really set in on me. I was like, man, you you had everything perfect, and you still missed, you know. So, yeah, that that's that mental aspect kicking in. I mean, same thing if you miss with a shotgun, you miss, and you're thinking it was perfect. How, what did I do wrong there? And then you think, is your gun off? Well, no, it's not off. You just pulled or whiffed a little bit, and then when you get in that position the next time mentally you're thinking don't screw this up again <laughs> you know and the last mm. thing you want to have happen to you when you're out on the road or a long trip like you were doing especially is you don't want your mentality or your attitude to just fall off the deep end because then you're just done i mean if you lose that positivity and all that at least myself i'm not as bad about it anymore but when i first started doing this if i kind of got down on the dumps about something or just didn't have that confidence man i just it was it was difficult to continue on um, so yeah, I, that, that, that's difficult. Yeah. You get, you have to keep your confidence. You have to keep that going or, you know, you're your own worst enemy, really. Um, it's, it's whatever you want to make out of it. I mean, if, if you feel like you're going to go out and get a bird, you're probably going to go out and get one. But if you feel like there's no chance, there's no birds in here wasting my time, you might as well go to the truck and go somewhere else. Or in your case, you're trying to find birds that are few and far between, and then you think, well, if I do get one in, not only inside, but shoot within 10, 15 yards, I still got to, I still got to aim small, miss small with this pistol and try to get it done. Yeah, I'll get this thing done. It's, it's already uh, got its claws in me, I guess you could say. It's, it's eating at me. So I think what I'm going to plan on doing is just try to, uh, I, I want to go to Texas next year again. And I'm going to go right off the bat, probably the first or second week, and probably going to go by myself this time. I, I, I kind of hated to uh, uh, take anybody with me. Uh, Marty, he was down there with me, man, and all he could do is sit there and watch me trying to shoot one of the pistol. And so it's not really fair to him. So next time I'm probably going to go by myself or I'll at least have my own vehicle and whoever wants to come, that's great. But uh, I, I want to allow enough time to uh, – lay in there if I need to, you know, if I have, if it takes me a week to get one, so be it, you know, but I think I'm going to focus on one, one at a time and see how it goes. And uh, if I can knock off one a year, I, I would be really happy with that and eventually complete this. But, and when I get it completed, I'll probably just, <laughs> I'll bring that pistol to you and you can take off and try it. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll probably throw it back at you. Yeah, we'll just put it in the gun case or gun cabinet and leave it there. So yeah, put it up for show. Yep. Yeah. So you you closed out your big swing there in in Wyoming and you you filled a tag and kind of concluded things on a good note. Yeah, that was a lot of traveling for one bird. Is uh, but you know I had a blast. You know, saw some new country that I'd never been in before, and uh, you know me and Marty had a good time and. Is good safe trip, so I enjoyed it. That's what that's what matters, man. 
obviously the, the killing's a lot of fun too but <laughs> yeah, yeah it is it helps but it, it definitely helps i would say i forget where you were may have been getting to wyoming or between colorado and wyoming i think maybe when i headed out on my first what my first trip tennessee would have been my first one but my first little swing up through the northeast i we were both on the road at the same time i remember that yeah, we were. Um, I don't remember exactly where we were at, but I mean, we were texting back and forth and checking on each other. Yeah. Yeah, and I headed up to the Northeast to finish out a few of the states I had up there and um, flew out and got up to Maine. And I went to Vermont first, just with some things I knew there. Um, hit it right off the bat and found turkeys, which was great. But, man, I tell you what, it's – there's only been a couple other states, and it's up in the Northeast also, that I've had to deal with where you've got the noon cutoff or a one o'clock cutoff or potentially a state that doesn't let you hunt on Sundays. And this is neither the time or place to get in a debate about right or wrong. But, man, that sucks when you're on the road and you're on birds and you got to quit at, at 12 o'clock, which is exactly what happened in Vermont and New Hampshire. But I get it. Like, it's not like I'm having to quit and all the other hunters get to keep hunting. But when you're, when you're on the road like that and you've got to stop and basically just wait till the next day with me mentally, I've noticed it. I'm not going to say it caused me to make mistakes, but I catch myself almost getting in panic mode, like 12 o'clock. It's going to be here before I know it. Even and though it goes by quick, don't it? Yeah. And you also, it goes by faster. Yeah. And you got to think too out there. When I was the up up in the Northeast early May, I mean five a.m. or so, it's it's cracking. So you've got a long time to hunt, but yes, it seems like it just goes so fast, man. Um, so I got in a pinch with that a couple times, but um, Vermont and New Hampshire had the noon cutoff, but Maine you could hunt all day, but you couldn't hunt Sundays, but you could hunt Sundays in Vermont, New Hampshire. So. When it got to that noon cutoff, my very first day, I was not going to sit around there hanging out. I, I which it wasn't that far of a drive, a couple hours. I'd be lying across New Hampshire and got to Maine and just started laying my eyes on some of it because I felt like at that time of the week, if I could find some birds in Maine, I would just set up camp there and try to get that turkey knocked out so I could, you know, just get away from this whole no Sunday deal and. Got into Maine, and I didn't really go as far as I wanted to, um, and I wasn't having a whole lot of luck yet finding birds. So I figured, okay, I'm just going to now spin back around. It's getting closer to dark. I'm going to get back to Vermont and get eyes on these turkeys I'd seen earlier that day and try to find a good you know, pin or per- perhaps maybe even roost one. And no more than I got into New Hampshire, I, I hadn't even got to the highway yet. When I got into New Hampshire out of Maine, I found some turkeys and it was property that I could access. And it just so happened I was able to watch these turkeys go straight to their roost tree. From where I was parked, I watched them go up into their tree. So I had a definite, definite roost, definite pin on these turkeys. And um, my access getting in, everything was perfect. And to make it even better, where these turkeys were roosting on the edge of this field, you know, sometimes if you set up right on the edge of the field, in the woods, when they pitch down, they might be out of shotgun range immediately. Well, there was a set 
of these little like Christmas trees. Like there was no other ones in this field, but there was like a, a, a patch of these. I don't know how tall they were. Um, eight to 10 feet tall, maybe. Mm-hmm. They were out in front of this roost tree about 30 yards from the spot they flew up from. I mean, it was well within shotgun range. So I thought I'm going to get into those in the morning and I'm going to take my little cutters and I'm going to, I'm going to hold me out a little spot in there. And it's going to be just a fantastic hide. And it was, um, I'll also mention the other thing I dealt with up there, which I think this happens a lot to people was, was rain. So these turkeys, when I was watching them, it was, it was raining and it had been raining like all day. So they were going to be heavy. I didn't foresee them sailing out of the tree. I figured they're probably just going to hop right out, land right where they flew up from. So, you know, I got in there the next morning and sure enough, that's what they did. They landed just right out in front of me and the one gobbler just blew right up into strut. And I had a little window where it didn't rain that morning. So they acted Hmm. like turkeys, man. I could hear them behind me over my shoulder, 30 yards behind me, just drumming, carrying on, gobbling. Yep. Pitched down out in front, I'd say 30 yards and uh, pulled the trigger. And uh, I was able to get my New Hampshire bird. Once I retrieved him, I thought I'm going to hop back over to to Maine. And I, I really had this paranoia that this Sunday was going to bite me in the butt. I believe at this point it was Wednesday. So I'm already like getting a little nervous about it and it's only Wednesday, but you know, I shot that Turkey so early. I mean, right off the roost out there, you're talking, I don't know, five fifteen, five thirty. So I had the rest of the day to go over to Maine, literally within 15 minutes of the state line and hunt the rest of the day. So I did that, but I drove even a little bit further to the area I wanted to get to initially. And it was much, much more farm ground, rural looking, spaced out. And I immediately found turkeys. As far as the weather goes, it had rained like all day, kind of off and on. But there was always seemed to be like a, a drizzly side to it. I mean, it just never stopped and cleared up. So everything was wet. Everything was wet on me from just stopping and seeing some birds and trying to maneuver around and just hadn't put it all together. But I found this bird, I would say it's within an hour, maybe hour and a half of fly up time. And find the landowner, get permission. I go in, make a big loop, and I get into an area where I can come up onto this field and I've got the terrain in my advantage. So come up and I, I, I see the bird in the field. So at this point, everything's great. And I thought, I'm just going to check in with a call and see how he reacts. And as soon as I called, he just blew up in the strut, turned my direction, gobbled. And he just did everything you're, you're wanting out of a turkey. And he didn't come running in by no means, but he cautiously strutted and gobbled his way over to me. And once he got in shotgun range and I felt good about it, I, I touched off on him and had my main turkey. And I want to say I shot him at around 5.30 p.m. or so. Uh, yeah. So about yeah about a about a twelve hour difference in time between my New Hampshire turkey that morning and my main bird. Um, so that was a, a fun, long, exhausting day. Always and, nice to uh, get two two states in one day. That's pretty. That, that's one good thing about the Northeast. You kind of bounce around pretty quick up there. Right, and then it kind of took a little pressure off of me because my first day I didn't. Not that I expected to roll in and just kill a turkey, but it kind of got me back on on par, if you, if that makes sense to where I got two States and I'm on my second day. So what's, what's also cool about Maine is you have to actually take your Turkey to a check-in station. And I hadn't done anything like that for, 
shoot quite some time. So I took it down to the check-in station and got to check it in, and that was really cool. You know, I hadn't done that for a while, and I thought I need to get back to Vermont to the spot where I'd been seeing these turkeys and get in there that morning, the next morning, and, and kind of be ready to go. So I took the long it was about three hours, I would say, from where I was in Maine to get to where I wanted to be in Vermont. Um, so I pulled through it and, and got there and had me a couple hours of sleep. And it was time to get back up after it. Um, and, and again, you know, got in Vermont and got to where the birds were. And, man, I just, just I was on turkeys, but I just could not get it to come together. Um, I know you went so, that day. I, did, I didn't get any text or anything from you at all that day. And that's something too. Vermont, where I was, like service was very, very sketchy. There were certain spots okay. if I got got to them, I could get good service. But where I was, for the most part, um, I don't know if it was like the big mountains that were kind of around me or what. But anyway, I, I kind of just went with those birds all day. Even after quitting time, I you know got back to the vehicle and then went back in and scouted, and I was able to somewhat pinpoint where they flew up. And next morning. On them again, didn't happen. Here we are again, it's noon. So at this point, I've hunted Vermont three mornings and I'm yet to pull the trigger. So we're getting into the weekend now. And long story short, <clears throat> I end up finding some birds in a totally different area, probably an hour from where I had been hunting. And man, I was able to get in there on the Saturday morning and he gobbled good on the limb and I didn't waste any time. I got extremely aggressive and covered as much ground as I could to where I felt like I was still safe and got in the spot. And he flew down a few calls later. Here he was and pulled the trigger and had my Vermont Turkey. So definitely had to pay for my New Hampshire and Maine outing. <laughs> it took me four mornings. It took me four mornings in Vermont to, uh, to get it done, but you know, that's a, that's okay. If it, if it all just came together like that all the time, probably wouldn't be turkey hunting near as much, you know? No, no, it's, that's what makes it fun. And, you know, it, it's hard when you're going out and you're hunting like that and you're not having any luck, but it makes you want it even more. You know, it does for me. Kind of makes me really dig in and, you know, really get your game face on, I guess, and take off. Yeah. And you just gotta, you know, you gotta buckle down and, and get it done. There's nothing else to it. Um, I think I even said it in the video I'd made. I believe I'd heard Denny Galvis say before on a podcast that you earn all of them. And, you know, that's just, that's a situation where, you know, New Hampshire, not that it was easy. I mean, you still had to go in and you still had to put some pieces together and, you know, finish it off. But for the most part, that was a pretty, pretty simple hunt. Mm. Maine, it took a little bit of strategizing, but again, it came together. So times like that, it's like, man, this is, this is pretty easy. But at some point or another, you're going to earn those turkeys. And I completely agree with him. You know, you you fall into slumps. You know, you get on hot streaks. Everybody does. And then you fall into little slumps, and you're earning those turkeys 100%. So yeah, I think I paid my dues in the New Mexico and Colorado, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that tied it up for me in the Northeast. And then I – you know, I got back home and I thought with, with my Indiana turkey season, I hunted a youth, a youth day and that boy was successful. I hunted our opening day. I was able to kill a turkey. And I really thought that was going to be the only two days I hunted Indiana because all my travels were going to kind of be around it and um, wasn't going to be able to afford taking off school or work to, to go hunt my home state. 
but heck there was there was a turkey out here showing his face not too far from the house and my wife was itching to go so we went and she had her just an epic hunt right off the roost close range just fantastic and she killed her her second long beard and i've been with her for both of those so that was pretty cool and you had a cool video of that one too. Yeah, yeah, a little bit too close for comfort. Um, coming there sniffing us out a little bit tighter than I wanted, but man, I tell you what, she she had a heck of a shot. She buried it on him and killed the deal. And then you and I, we were taken off to the Pacific Northwest. So time to go have some fun. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I actually forgot to even mention this part of it. The first, uh, actually, right before we went to Texas, I, I hunted here in Kentucky and. An awesome hunt here. Well, me and you went to Tennessee first opening day, and uh, you were able to get your Tennessee bird. And then the next day, I went. You you went to another area in Tennessee, and uh, then I went and hunt Kentucky, and was I had a really cool hunt here. And then uh, hunted a couple more times here, struck out. And then the day that I was leaving to go to Texas. Uh, Marty was going to come. We were going to leave that morning, and he ended up taking his kids to school that morning. And I thought, well, heck, I can run out. And I don't know how many years it's been since, I, I, you know, Kentucky has a two-bird limit, and I've tagged out in Kentucky probably. I, I, I can't, I'd have to go back and look the last time I didn't get both my birds here. But um, that was on my mind, and I told Marty, I said, man, I want to I want to slip out just a little bit before you get here. And hunt that morning, and ended up killing the biggest turkey, I've, the the heaviest turkey I've ever shot, ever. It was uh, twenty six pounds, thirteen ounces, and he was a uh, he flew right off the limb, came right. He actually flew down behind me, so I had to make a maneuver, spin around on him. But uh, really cool hunt, plenty of gobbling, strutting, and drumming, got it all. So that was that's the one I called uh, a bird for the road. So, but. Uh, but for, yeah, that was really cool. But, but yeah, we, and then we took off to, uh, after all that, took off to the Northwest, and uh, that was pretty amazing. Oh, man. My first time ever out there, and I knew just from videos I've seen and talking to people, that was just absolutely beautiful and fantastic ground and hunting, and it 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 proved to be, for sure, like all those things. It was just a fantastic trip. Yeah, it sure was. It's one of the prettiest places in this country, in my opinion. I mean, I just, I don't know what it is. It's uh, it's a good mixture of, you know, mountains and creeks and streams. And, uh, you know, you've got a little bit of everything there. Yeah, and just right off the bat, the first place we went to, just ginormous piece of public ground and just beautiful i mean just the views that you could have and where they had done some of the logging on some of the hillsides so it really opened it up and you could you could get you know you could get some real good vision across and, and see better and gosh it was unreal yeah we did we did a lot of walking that afternoon <laughs> I, thought I, I, to, I thought i was i thought i was gonna have to pack you out of there telling you man you were i mean like a yo-yo up and down that place First afternoon, evening, and coming out, I'm thinking, golly, I'm going to pack Billy on out of here, too. Got, got turkeys <laughs> and Billy over my back. Could I put that turkey strap around your neck and around your ankles and throw you over my shoulder? Yeah. <laughs> you kind of took it no, man, we... out, though. <laughs> you better, better explain that for me. Like, 
it's fair to explain what happened because you kind of took it around and walked out the road there, and I was walking up down mountains while you were up there shooting turkeys. Well, I it was a goblin turkey, and you thought I was crazy, but I was like, I'm just going to go in and just keep on tracking and cover some ground. And man, it didn't take long to strike up some birds, but the difference was they were across this clear cut and across this big almost like drainage ravine canyon looking thing, but they were just ripping over there. And man, I just kept pouring. That's what was fun about out there is you could go out and you could just call your tail off if you wanted to. And for the most part, where we were at least, they were freaking loving it. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, man, those turkeys, they just kept responding and responding. And I've not hunted much out West or hunted a lot of Merriam's, but I've heard that, Sometimes you can just keep your butt parked, and if it's the right turkey and they're gobbling, just keep pouring it to them, and they may just break and come on in. And it took a little while, but that's sure enough what these two did. And, yeah, I, they come in close, and I was able to, to shoot one of them, and the other one took off. And, heck, he basically flew back or ran, got back to where he initially was um, across the big canyon from me. And then I got a hold of you. And you were a good piece of the way. I was a mile yes. straight down the mountain. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you need to get up here quick because this turkey's goblin. And he's, it sounds like he's wanting to come back over and take a second look. So you need to be getting back over here quickly. So, yeah, man, you finally got up there. And I don't know how long you want me to keep that turkey up there. But anyhow, <laughs> I, I think I came up, back up, and left again. And then came back. And by the time he did that, the third time he came back up on to our part of the mountain, you were there in position and kind of wormed your way around and and uh, you were able to shoot him. And we both were able to kill our, our turkeys that same evening, which was really cool. And we had the sunset. And, Beautiful pictures. Oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And then Good way we, to kick it and, off. Yeah. And then we came to reality that we got to get out of here. And even by walking the logging road, this is going to take us a while. I mean, yeah. what time we was went, it we even got back to our truck? It was at least 10 or 10.30. And uh, shoot it. by the time we packed everything up, got our pictures, we didn't really rush out of there. But got some beautiful pictures. I mean, if we hadn't have been there at that time, we wouldn't have got those. So but I don't yeah. regret it. And, it uh, just made a late night and an early morning the next day for sure. Um, no doubt, no doubt. We, so, what we do get up at like three o'clock, and they, we probably got in bed by what twelve, and then uh, probably left. You know, got up and started starting around at three or a little after three, maybe. I think it was three, and then that next morning when we sort of had some stuff lined out for that state, we got up even a little bit earlier. Like had our alarm set for two thirty or two forty-five, and. Mm-hmm. Especially by the time you hit the snooze a bunch of times, we finally get up and get out of the. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I, um, I think on average, I think we got about three hours of sleep every night, if you average it all out. I, it, we were there till dark, and then, you know, you got to get up so early, because, you know, it, what, it was like, what what was it, like five o'clock, or it was already getting pretty pretty light? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it went, I remember we were driving one of those mornings when we were still, we're just we, were in, we were in Washington or somewhere, but we were... We hadn't gotten to Oregon to that part of the state, and you know it was getting daylight um, on that east east side mm-hmm. as we were driving, and you could see it start getting kind of gray out. 
yeah. 450, 445. So pretty wild. And then, you know, I was thinking with that time change, and then I knew when I went to Hawaii, I was getting all kinds of sleep because, heck, as soon as it got dark in Hawaii, it was like two in the morning back here at home. So mm-hmm. no, the only difference was that we weren't we weren't getting that. We were still out running around trying to do this and that. And sleep was definitely hard to come by. Yeah, so. we, I think we both did pretty good on the sleep part, though, because, uh, you know, I didn't really I, I, I was I did fine all the way through the whole trip. But, man, when I got home, I crashed. I mean. Yeah, you know, that's what wears on you because and we even had this debate at one point and we we need to figure this out or somebody that may be still listening to this. If you have an idea, it seems like out west, like Pacific Northwest, for example, it just seems like it's daylight longer than it would be here in the Midwest. Like it doesn't seem like it's dark very long. And I don't understand why. If it's just maybe I'm, I'm thinking that it is, but it's not really. But. When you're out that late, especially trying to roost turkeys or doing whatever you're doing, by the time it gets dark and then you got to wake up, you're not getting much sleep. And when you factor in the three-hour time change, you know, when it's getting dark at 9 o'clock out there, heck, it's midnight back home where we're coming from. Yeah. And that that begins to, to wear on you after you're there for, you know, however long we were there, five, six days, and then you come back home and it's just like, oh, God. <laughs> This, I'm struggling, but yeah, man, it was, it was great. You know, we got into, to Washington there and hunted that a couple of days and just, I mean, just came across turkeys that wanted to gobble and act like turkeys. It was just a ton of fun, man. Like all the things I hear about once you get into May and go out West and the, some of the turkeys you can come across, well, for whatever reason, the stars aligned because we came across a whole mess of them that wanted to gobble and, and work and come in and work to the call. It was just yeah, a fantastic that, time. That that was my third trip to that to the northwest like that. And that was probably one of the best best I've ever seen it. So Yeah, and, and you know, we we hunted some of the big public chunks, then we were fortunate to come across some people that gave us some access to hunt their properties. But nevertheless, no matter what we were on I mean, the turkeys were just acting right, and it was a lot of fun. I, I so. think we hit it just right as far as timing and everything. Man, uh, I, and the yeah, and the weather. All. <clears throat> and the weather. I mean, first oh, of all, it was ext- it was extremely hot, and I'm not going to complain because the one thing that I do not want to have when I'm turkey hunting, and I'd say a lot of people can agree, um, is wind. And I don't think we had hardly any wind. For the five six days we hunted, no, I don't even know if there was ever a cloud in the sky. There wasn't. No, it's it was. I mean, what maybe the most the windiest it got was maybe five mile an hour. I mean, it was nothing that you. Yeah, it was like notice. it was non-existent, and it, it, it didn't matter if you were up on the the mountains or what. But it was eighty five to ninety degrees every day. The very last day that we were in Washington, Idaho. Uh, we split up. You were in Washington. I was in Idaho. And it did get just a little bit windy on top of those ridges. Um, mm-hmm. but, but once I went right back down the bottom, I mean, there wasn't anything there. But I was on the tip yeah. top, and it was a little bit of wind. But, but you could still yeah. hunt it. It's not like you couldn't hear. So. But you know what was nice with that? Once we did have just a little bit of wind was 
especially that hunt I had in Washington when I came across those turkeys and I had to get down and kind of crawl and maneuver, you know, it really helps cover up some of your sound and it doesn't make yeah. you sound like a, a daggone elephant over there walking through the woods as you're trying to crawl through the leaves. But yeah, that helped disguise that a little bit, but it still wasn't anything, you know, drastic. So just outstanding weather. It could have been a little bit cooler, but it wasn't windy. It wasn't pouring down rain. We didn't even have a drop of rain while we were out there. So the one thing that's out of our control, man, is, well, a couple things is one, the weather and the turkeys. And they were both great. So no complaints here. Yep. And then we finished off in, in Oregon and we were able to put our three states together and heck of a time, man. Yeah. If we could have left the uh, car wreck out, that would have. Oh, good God. Uh, so. Yeah, we, uh, for the two of us, and especially the the other driver who was traveling northbound, we're very fortunate that none of us were seriously injured um, or injured at all. I mean, we walked away from things with hardly even a, a scratch. But, yeah, we had us a little, uh, you don't ever hear of fender benders when you're traveling 65 down the highway, but we sure enough had a, uh, a speedy little sports car fly up on us going about 100 miles an hour and got in our draft, I guess you would say, and man hit us so hard in the back end that it caused our expedition to fishtail and then just flat out lose control and go sideways and shoot across oncoming traffic and launch off of the the bank into the, the bottom off the highway. So thankfully, we didn't flip. Thankfully, we didn't get T-boned by an oncoming vehicle and... We were able to we were able to walk away from it, and all in all, made it a pretty seamless endeavor. But uh, you know, oddly enough, the vicle that we just about got hit not head on, they were going to hit us head on, but T-bone in the side of us had a dash cam, and that was able to basically just tell the whole story of what what happened. So yeah, just in the end, man, we're just very lucky, you know, too, that we were in such a, a large SUV-type vehicle. I'm sure that helped us out a lot, but a scary time, real scary. The scariest part for me was I didn't have a steering wheel. <laughs> I hate being, I hate sitting there out of control, man. It's like being in a bass boat, you know. If you're driving and you're going, you know, 70 miles an hour, as long as I'm driving, I'm fine. But put me in that passenger seat. Man, it scares me to death. <laughs> try being a try being a driver ed instructor. Oh no, no, thank you. <laughs> that, no, that, we that would put you on your put you on the edge for sure. Yeah, but I think you did a great. Job. I'm not. I'm not saying you didn't do anything. You, you did a great job, but it's just a little different than the, when you're sitting there and you all you can do. You're just long for the ride. I mean, all I did, oh, man, I just looked up. Looked up and seen it's going right into that other oncoming traffic, and you know, all I'm doing is just sitting here looking around, like, all right, what's going to happen? So, yeah, and long story short, there was a group of four to five kids in different vehicles, like sporty type Corvette, Mustangs, and all of them were out ahead of us, like unknowingly, except for this one car. For some reason, he was way back and he was trying to play catch up. So. He apparently whipped it over into the left lane on a two-lane highway, just flat and as straight as you could ask, and come flying up to pass us. And he saw the oncoming car coming, so he whipped it back into our lane, and that's when I saw him. I just happened to see a flash up my rearview mirror, and I looked, and I saw a blue car. 
no more than I saw it, he ran right up our back end and hit us so hard as we're, as we're again, going probably 65 miles an hour. Um, it ripped the front bumper and fender off and pulled it up into our left rear fender well. And I believe that caused the wheel to lock up. And that's what sent us sideways and shot us across. Um, blew, blew our tire out inst- probably instantly when it hit. Yep. Yep. So we, we end up going down off this bank and there's our SUV rental and got the, got the kids solid front bumper and the plastic fender that he had on it, like aftermarket looking gadget. And it's up. Not only did it go in and up towards the top, but actually went towards the front of our tires, how far we pulled it. Um, so yeah, just wild, man. And in our, our vehicle didn't really even get that damage. Heck, we got to the point where we thought, man, if we change this flat tire, we might be able to just drive on out of here with this thing. But we found out that it was leaking gas and had to shut that down. So we got it all taken care of and we kept on rolling and everybody was safe. So that's all that matters. And uh, also all the guys that came out to help that wreck, all the first responders and stuff, man, they were, every one of them were awesome. Uh, you know, offered, give us rides. We had, we had a pile of luggage Gun cases, dead turkey. Had a turkey. We still had a turkey. We had a, we still had a turkey in the back. My Washington turkey. I hadn't even cleaned it. That thing was still. I was. I kind of forgot about that. That was a turkey I was debating on getting mounted, like scaping it out, mounting it. Had some nice white color to it. After I went through that car wreck, eh, no more. The end of that. <laughs> it was the end of that. It, uh, our, our our cooler full of turkey meat got thrown open and water went everywhere. It was a disaster, but yeah. I never did I, my knife uh, either. It's gone. I, I had to order me another one. So Yeah. Well, we didn't, we didn't lose the easy cut. So that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, a little, a little, uh, product drop for easy cuts. But yeah, the, uh, the medic, the, 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 service fella, the county cops, the state troopers. I mean, they were all just fantastic. So a pretty seamless deal for us, um, especially with the severity of how it was or how bad it could have been. So thankful to keep on moving. Yeah, we we did, you know, and it just, I don't know, it's just crazy. You know, you you spend all this time driving, doing this and that, and you have something like that happen. So it just goes to show you, man, you just never know. You got to be careful. Yep. Uh, we've said it a million times. It's the most dangerous thing you do is take off across this country driving. I mean, it's just like us doing everything exactly right and still, you know, wind up in that situation. With I mean, just yeah. out of the blue. But. Yeah, and when you're just driving down a highway, you just would not imagine somebody just rear-ending you like that. I I get it if you're stopped turning, but. When you're going down the highway at a rate of speed, you don't imagine just somebody running into the back of you so hard. And that's the other thing. This was like a small Corvette sports car, a little two-door sports car, and we're in a ginormous expedition or whatever it was, you know, and the impact from that little car caused us to do, you know, what we did. So just crazy. Um, Flying is looking better and better every day. never thought I'd say that. But so, yeah, man, that kind of wrapped up things out there just – Hit three states. We we were successful. Had you know a lot of good laughs. Had a heck of a scare, and we made it back in one piece. So, yep. um, as you said, you you know you hunted Tennessee a little bit, and you feel like your season's probably coming to an end. But 
I'm going to go back and hit Michigan this year. Um, I've gone up there a few times, a couple times. This will be my third time and kind of develop some relationships up there. And it's pretty close to the house. And not to mention it, it runs late. It goes out June the 7th. Um, so my wife and I, were going to go up there and spend a couple days. And I'm going to go out and, and hunt in the mornings or, or whatnot and see if I can't uh, finish off the season in Michigan on a positive note. Yeah, I, I tell you, have a blast up there. They've been sending you a bunch of pictures of a bunch of turkeys up there. So yeah, and there's a lot of ground up there to hunt, also. But yeah, I've, I've kind of got in. My buddy and I have developed a relationship with this real nice couple up there, and they they treated us great last year. So um, look forward to going up and and seeing them again and hanging out a bit. And my wife and I are going to stay over on Lake Michigan, and have us a little vacation there. So slip out and do a little hunting in the morning and. I've never hunted in June, so it'd be cool to hunt in June, not to mention hopefully uh, kill me a June turkey. That'd be a lot of fun. That would be cool. Yep. But other than that, Billy, that kind of wraps up where we where we were and where we are now and bow on it for the most part as far as our season. Yeah, I know we meant to do this on the road and uh, just all the, like we said, the late nights and, you know, just everything in combined. Uh, Never did get to do podcasts from the road. That's what we planned on doing. It's like we were always going somewhere or doing something. So, yep, absolutely, no doubt. And it just gets to the point where you're like, at some point, I need to sleep. So, and I've said it before. Like, kudos to those that go out, and especially if they've got full time jobs, they can go out and hunt and edit and film and edit their footage. And you know, that's that's a different level right there, man. It's tough enough just to travel and hunt and have a job so yep but we'll keep on rolling with the podcast and get some guests on in the upcoming weeks and and keep on rolling man yep uh, that's i i think we, we've got several guests lined up to uh, come on really good guests so looking forward to getting them on here and we'll just keep rolling with it and we've got a lot to work on this summer we've got like i said the, uh, got some new calls coming up and got some other things in the works so uh, this yeah, we do. So. For us to get caught up and kind of uh, get everything lined up for next year. So go ahead and start planning. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll uh, tie a bow on this one and kind of get things prepared for the weeks to come. Yeah. And also, uh, I, I want to throw out there too the uh, Hunter Spotlight. You know, uh, I've got a lot of people sending pictures in and stuff like that. We're still doing that. Uh, trying to do that every week so if you want to send your pictures in i know a lot of people have had success this year you know their kids got their first bird or whatever um send those pictures to us we'd love to see them i've had more fun doing that than anything and uh you know we do that and put on our facebook page and instagram and actually put you right on the turkey hunt usa website so right on the front page of it so if you uh, send those pictures to us, you can send it social media or through email, and um, we'll put you in the drawing. You get twenty percent off anything in the on the website, and uh, also get some decals and stuff. So send those in, and uh, we'll put you in the drawing for that as well. So yeah, sounds good, man. A lot of good stuff, and appreciate everybody's feedback and all the all the activity they're sending our way, and a lot of fun. This has been a great first year doing all this, and. Look forward to keeping it up. Yep. Yeah, it'll, uh, we'll have to uh, get the countdown going again as soon as the season. <laughs> oh, all, man. all over again. So, 
Yeah, I think I just counted for this season. I was looking at my calendar. I think there's 16 days left. Michigan mm. runs to June the 7th. So I'm hoping to be up there June. I think I've got June 5, 6, and 7 to hunt. So we'll see if we can put it together and how it goes. But for now, uh, thank you all for taking the time to listen to the Turkey Hunting USA podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could leave a rating and write a review. Be sure to subscribe to the Turkey Hunting USA podcast and website. And like us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on news and product releases.